This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Episode 45. This is Writing Excuses Gen Con Q&A with Wesley Chu. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And I'm Wesley. And I'm going to be leaving. Uh, <laughs> I have an appointment uh, very s- soon, so Wesley will be playing the part of Brandon for part of this podcast. Hi, we guys. We really appreciate him sticking around. Um, and we will be doing a Q&A with the audience. They have handed these, us these little pieces of paper, and I am just going to read the first one. How do you write first-person point of view from another or different gender? Well, you, basically the same way you write it from your own gender, um, but the things that that you should be aware of are the same things that you're thinking about any time you're writing someone that is not you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the things that are important to that person? Yeah. What are the things that they want? What are the things you know that how has their past affected the way they view things? So uh, one of the places that um, you know, one of the, the very few places that it, it's wildly different is uh, in, in what they find attractive. Mm. Um, so if you don't know the answer to any of these questions, you do your homework. You talk to someone who is not the same gender as you are. You read books written by people yeah. of that gender. Um, it's just homework. Yeah, you practice. Every time you're writing a character, you're writing slightly the other. Yeah. The, the quote-unquote the other. And as a writer, your job is to learn to write the other. You can't have books populated only with yourself. Now, each character will have some of you. Um, really asking the question, how do I write from the other gender? Number one, we've done podcasts on this, so you can go mm-hmm. listen to it. Yeah. But number two, it's really subsumed by this idea of learning to write the other and realizing that every person is individual. Um, and every person is going to defy gender stereotypes in some way. Um, and so you just need to write that person as who they are. Yep. And what then when you get into trouble is if you're writing a bunch of characters of the other gender consistently wrong. They can't all have broken that same stereotype in the same way. That's where you run into trouble. But any one character, you won't run into that much trouble as long as you are writing them as someone real. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife has a, like a, a model for me when I write female character. She goes, "What wouldn't what wouldn't Aaron Sorkin do?" <laughs> and, and if you know any of Aaron Sorkin's writing, he's he's a brilliant guy, but he tends to write female in a very two dimensional way, and he actually will cater to the, some of the worst tropes that mm. a guy thinks a woman would be. So, if you're writing a different gender, I would say you know definitely they're individuals and. All the things that you know stereotypes are of women. Keep that in mind, and don't do them. Yeah, it is, does yeah. help to learn the. Stereotypes. I'm doing. I'm I'm writing a, uh, a first-person present tense piece right now, in which our protagonist is a member of female captain in charge of a SWAT team that uses magical equipment. And in writing about her as the other, I realized the ways in which she is different from me are. Captain, SWAT team, magical, and last on the list is female. The things that are different, that are going to be interesting to my readers, are those first three. And so I just, I made sure that up front my my readers know that she's female. And then my female beta readers will tell me, oh, you know what, this didn't read right for me. And 
Yeah. But, but do listen to the podcast we've done on this because yeah. we've had some excellent guests who've been able to talk about this yeah. gender identity and writing the other in really interesting ways. Yeah. I'm going to excuse myself right now. Everyone have fun with more questions, and I will see you for our next recording session. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. I've got the next question, and I'm very interested in, writing, in uh, hearing Wesley's answer to this. Uh, Wesley, do you have a set schedule for writing time? <laughs> I work at home. I still have a day job where I get to work at home, and um, every morning by around eight o'clock, I you know open up my my writing. I use Scrivener. I start working on Scrivener, and probably get my first word on paper or on Scrivener at about three p.m. And certain people have different writing schedules, and for me, I'm a night writer, so I actually start getting work around nine o'clock, nine p.m., and I work till about three a.m. And that's kind of like my golden period for writing. Actually, you know, as you're standing in for Brandon, that's exactly kind of perfect, how Brandon yeah. does it. Yeah. I got it from him. <laughs> Is that the secret? Darn it. Wow. When I grow yeah. up, I want to be Mr. Sanderson. <laughs> um, um, it's actually funny because uh, Wes and I will meet in Chicago sometimes for writing dates. And it's basically one of us will be like, I have to get out of the apartment. Will you come out and play with me? And and it's, it's really an excuse to go hang out at a coffee shop and work. Uh, but we do get, we get, a, we, we get a lot of work. Yeah, we the, get good the work productivity done. through peer pressure is astonishing. Yeah, I, one of my favorite uh, bits of set writing schedule is when my friend Mary invites me to a, a Google Hangout uh, writing date. And we all turn on our cameras and turn off our microphones and start writing. Mm -hmm. We write for 45 minutes and then, uh, you know, shoot the breeze for 15. We have to turn the microphones back on yes, for, that for that part. But it's fascinating because, yeah, that writing through peer pressure is very helpful. Yeah. Uh, the other, the piece of my schedule that is set that has worked for me brilliantly for years is that I do all my drawing at Dragon's Keep. Um, you know, at, out in a public place, I've got a drawing table in the corner of the comic shop, but I can't draw until I've written what I'm going to be drawing on. And so Dragon's Keep opens at 11 a.m. And I set that as my deadline. Once Dragon's Keep is open, man, I'm burning daylight. How come I don't have any words on the paper yet? And so I try to be up at 8 a.m. cranking out scripts so that when 11 a.m. comes, I can be drawing on them. Yeah, one of the problems, I, I'll, I'll just say this while you're looking for the next question. One of the problems that I run into is that, um, and, and this I've seen happen to other writers as well, that conventions will throw your schedule out of whack. So you start to go on what I call random time. And one of the things that I think a writer who's planning on doing this long term needs to learn is how to find writing time within a larger oh, schedule. Ab absolutely. On, in that regard, on my way to this trip, um, I knew I'm getting on an airplane. I really have to send a chapter to my beta readers. Um, how much work can I get done on the plane? How much work can I get? You know what? Let's find out. And so I flipped open the laptop, banged out 1,700 words, got myself through the toughest, stickiest part of the story. It's first person uh, science fiction horror. Uh, the gal, the, the lady sitting next to me was a little mortified at the words that were coming out on the page. But I got it done, and it's that principle of found time. It's you, you write when you can write sometimes. Okay, what if you are the opposite of Brandon and have issues with word count being low? How do you expand scenes without adding more characters? 
Uh, without adding more characters. Without adding more characters. There goes your formula. <laughs> no, yeah. And we've kicked away Mary's crutches. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, it's the 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 tricky thing is that there are a lot of ways you can add words, and most of them will result in it just the the novel or thing just feeling bloated. Yeah, you're padding. You're padding. The the ways that you can pad are things like um, just adding more description. Uh, you know, it, it's not just a large pin, it's a giant, very big large pin. You know, that kind of thing is padding. Lots of and, words ending in L-Y. Yeah, and, and your readers will, will recognize it as such. When you want something to be longer, what you're looking for are basically more complications, uh, more, and, and that can be, um, you know, the complication of going to another location, that can be more conflicts, but you just, you have to have more things that are moving the plot forward. And if you're having problems with it being very, very short, it might be that the story that you're trying to tell is that's the length that wants it's to be. It's a short story. It's a short story. And so, you know, you do need to look, therefore, at adding other characters and locations and more complicated Some plots. Subplots. Yeah. Sub I'm more, I don't really have that problem. So I, I kind of read Big Boys. I'm not, not. Big boys, like you know, random. But um, no. I, I tend to write a little on the, on the longer side. And over the years, it was more important for me. To, I learned that my 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 writing crutch was fight scenes. Where if I don't know what's going on, throw in a fight scene. And over the years, I realized that it's always better to strip down than to you know than to pad. So yeah, I don't really have a good answer for that one. Yeah. Um, I think that. Uh, it really depends on why the story is too short. Yeah. yeah. If, as Mary has said, it's it's just a simple enough story, you know, linear enough that it's going to be done in six thousand words, then well, don't try and turn it into a fifteen or a twenty or a forty or a hundred and twenty or whatever. Um, however, if you are already cheating by saying, you know, so and so was sad, and you are telling us mm -hmm. that a thing happened. You can tell us that a thing happened very, very quickly. My outlining, I've got a new outlining system, and my outlining system is a 10-year-old boy is telling you about the movie he just saw, Stream of Consciousness. That is my new outlining system. Okay, so this one thing happens, and then this happened, and oh, I almost forgot to tell you, in this one scene, he does this. And you gotta remember that this is happening, and, and then, oh, and it was so awesome. And literally, that's how I'm writing through this outline. And I realize, wow, I have just outlined a 30,000 word novella in 500 words, and it's the 10-year-old boy version. Don't publish that, okay? <laughs> that, is, that is tell, don't show. And if you look at your prose and find the places where you are telling, it is you can pad. Pad's the wrong word. I, I call you are it going unpacking. To, you, yeah, you're going to unpack it. You're going to decompress it by uh, getting specific. Yeah. Basically, instead of you know he was sad. How does that sadness express itself? What is it that is uniquely sad about that? And you know, is it what's the physicality? How does his voice sound? What is his body doing? How do other people react to that sadness? Is it visible? So unpack it. But again, 
You have to make sure that the detail that you're putting in is serving the story. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, let's do a, yeah, let's do a book of the week. Mary, do you have our book this week? I do. It's a book that I narrated, which is Chimes at Midnight by Sean and McGuire. This is book seven in the October Day series. The thing that I, and, and you can start with book one, but Sean is actually pretty good about letting you step in at any point. There is a very long arc to the novels, but each one can't, the, the individual plots stand alone. Uh, and what I particularly enjoy about her is the way that she has characters interact. I, and these are some of my absolute favorite novels to narrate just because the dialogue in these is so good. It's Chimes at Midnight. Chimes at Midnight by Chimes Sean at Midnight and McGuire. Chimes at Midnight by Sean and Head out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a 30-day free trial membership and pick that one up for free and uh, maybe something else for uh, half price. I don't know if they still have that deal running or not. but Awesome. I- audiblepodcast.com. This question, this is, I love this question. I, so now I'm going to read it to you. How can prose be used to convey emotion without overtly stating characters' feelings? Well, who wants to jump in on that? Because I'll, I'll just talk all night otherwise. Why don't you start? Okay. I'll jump in. So um, we've talked about this in, in other podcasts, but basically what you're doing is you're using your point of view. How your character looks at something and interacts with it will tell you a lot about how the character feels. The word choices that you use will also tell a lot about how a character feels. So if, for instance, I am describing a character who is, who goes inside a cardboard box. The character, you know, John goes into the cardboard box. That tells you nothing about the character's emotional state. John scrambled into the warm environment. That tells you a little bit more. Uh, John pressed back into the tight cardboard box. The sides pressed in around him. Each of the the pieces of language that I'm using are giving you a clue into his emotional state. And some of it is also, which I'm not doing in these examples, describing how it affects him physically. You know, the the card the, the rough cardboard you know scratched his his skin gives you the sense that he doesn't like being in the cardboard box. You know. The scent of the cardboard reminded him of his childhood. No, that, that's <laughs> terrible. But you get the idea. Um, and you could also have implied emotion. So let's say Jane is mad at John because she smelled you know, smoke on, on his, you know, because, she, because he was smoking. So maybe you could write, you know, when, when John comes in from the balcony, um, 
Jane's body was stiff. She didn't get him a cup of coffee. You know, what are all the small things that she could do as an action that could imply to the reader that, oh, she isn't happy with him? So when you write a scene, you can do much more than Jane, Jane is mad. You could show how Jane is mad by all the small things she, that you know, anyone would do to anybody else to show displeasure. Yeah, and that's, that gets back to what we were talking about with the earlier question of unpacking and specificity. Uh, yeah, the, this is a case where you're going to learn by doing. Um, I can't remember where the blog post was recently. Somebody, I think it might have been Jim Zub, pointed me at a blog post that said, look, for the next month, deny yourself the right, you, you revoke the right to use any verb that says new. Thought verbs. Yeah, thought verbs. You, you don't know, you don't realize, you're not surprised by. Remove all of those from your writing and try and convey the fact that a character knows things by, the, by, by their point of view. Um, it's a, I, I've tried it. it, it becomes fantastically difficult very, very quickly. And that's a good sign that I need more practice at it. Uh, this is something that, I, I mean, it's a great, it's why I, it's why I asked the question uh, when I did. It's a, it's a fantastic uh, thing that you need to learn and it's going to take a long time, to, long time to figure it out. And actually, you know what, that might actually be a good writing prompt for the week. Since we are okay, yep, we yep, we're a little shy on time. Um, this has been a a, a series of uh, podcasts uh, recorded here at Gen Con live. Noise from the audience, um, and I had the audience made no make noise because they submitted these questions uh, for which we should all be grateful. And now you have the writing prompt, which is deny yourself thought verbs and communicate thought awareness on the part of the character in other ways. This has been Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.